My name is Craig. And my name is Dave. And this week, we are Ecstatica. Craig, this was your pick for my my pick, not your pick. This was this was my pick. I think it was your pick because you picked it because I wanted to play it for ages, and then you had another pick in this slot, and I said, "Oh damn, it's worked out that I can't pick Ecstatica." All right, so well now, see, I hate praising games that I pick because that feels weird. But so this is a Craig pick by proxy. Um, this was something that a long time, very long time ago now, uh, Craig mentioned on one of our older shows and was like, have you heard of this? And I'm like, no, no, I've never heard of this. I mean, granted, there's tons of games I haven't heard of, but in the survival horror genre, that's super surprising to me. So it makes me all giddy and happy. And so now I picked Ecstatica. So I'm not stalling to read the stats because I forgot this was my pick, but... (laughs) Okay, so Ecstatica was developed by Andrew Spencer Studios, and I don't know who was the head of that studio, uh, published by the Trolls at Psygnosis, and it was released in 1994 for MS-DOS, and that was it. Craig, you actually have history with this. I do. I I have a good history. I've got so... such such fond memories of it. I got this game when it was new, believe it or not, in a big box with 13 floppy disks inside the box. So to install it onto MS-DOS, you had to, you know, go into MS-DOS and stick in floppy disk one. A and install X- slash. Yep. You had to install... X- I remember, like, this is just... It's burnt into my brain. You had to install Ecstatic, not Ecstatica, which I never, ever got, but it was just Ecstatic.exe. Um, you install that, and then it prompts you to insert the next floppy disk, and the next floppy disk, and the next floppy... And then an hour later, you've got Ecstatica. I booted up that game, you know, like, you ride in on your re-horse, and you, everything looks funky... I walked into town, got jumped by a werewolf, and immediately was both scared, <laughs> excited, and everything we Craig could be in a game. It was such a different experience from that the, the first like minute of the game that I just fell in love with it, and I played it and played it and pulled over it, and you know finished it with the help of a cheeky walkthrough at certain points because it's quite confusing. Um, quite. And it, <laughs> You know, I, I played it so much. The game is all about remembering patterns of where some... There's randomization, but it, the fact that there was a certain pattern to it, you knew if you walked into town, the first time you walked by a certain building, you were going to get jumped and hung up upside down. So you tried to work into your play, your run of the game, essentially a run of the game. You tried to figure out where you were going to go in what order to get the job done, which is saving the princess from, you know, like whatever you're saving the princess from, the evil wizard guy that stole the book, or the evil wizard woman made, the wizard's maid that stole the book, yeah, who's sadly asleep now. But the the whole thing just 
I just, I just such fond memories, and I've pestered Dave for now years and years. You, Dave, you really got to play Ecstatica. You Every time we would meet, it would just be Dave Ecstatica. <laughs> like I'll get to it. I'll get to it. <laughs> we anyway, actually edit that that's... out at the beginning of all the previous recordings we've ever done. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, on top of that, like Psygnosis are one of my big. Uh, publishers of my youth like I think I've played and loved most Psygnosis games I don't know what it is about any games they chose it's like my Focus Home Interactive of the 90s was Psygnosis they were garbage they were not I'm sorry that's a it's a conversation for another we're gonna for one of these years Craig we're just gonna go through the Psygnosis catalog (laughs) And you're gonna by the end, you're gonna be very sorry that you said that. Yeah. Um. For me, as a kid, anytime I saw that owl, it meant two things. One, this would look super pretty. Two, that was it. Um. Every Psygnosis game I've ever played, and I will go back and forth. I'm sorry on Psygnosis or Psygnosis. Um. They look great, and they play like garbage. Arguably. A little of column A and a little of column B this time. Alright, so um, I should have played this sooner because uh, it turns out Craig does know some really cool stuff. I always labored under the assumption that survival horror started with Alone in the Dark. There was a sequel and some people futzed around with that idea. And then came Resident Evil. And Japan was like, we got this, guys. And then since then, you know, that's all history. This is a very cool middle ground. Like, this is the evolutionary link between Alone in the Dark and Resident Evil. Like, enough to where I sat there with my jaw open of like, oh my gosh, this is, this is incredibly cool. Um... I'm so excited to talk about this because of that. Okay, so first off, what sets Ecstatica apart is it uses a graphical system, model, whatever you want to say, that has not been used very much outside of the video game, Balls. Um, it, it, it uses ellipsoid uh, graphic rendering, which means instead of polygons or voxels, it's just circles. And it only does this for characters on the main plane. It doesn't do it for background art, which I found a little weird at first. Of like the whole game isn't rendered. Um, I did not dig deep enough to find out if the backgrounds are, uh, what are they called, pre-rendered or not. But I think they are, judging by the way things move are, yeah. on that plane. Yeah. So, it looks funky. It looks really funky. Um, I played as the girl. Uh, did you play as the guy or the girl, Craig? Uh, I played as the guy. I normally would have played as the girl, but there's some bits in it where it makes more sense narratively just to be the guy. Yes. Like um, so I thought when they refer to you as he and him <laughs> yeah. and the boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, kind of those bits. Um, so I just thought I'll just play as the guy. Why not? First off, let's talk about the story. And we don't normally do that on this show, but... I know, yeah. This is super interesting. So, 
Whereas Alone in the Dark is very Lovecraftian. I mean, like almost rips it wholesale. Yeah. Resident Evil is a very modern kind of horror, very body horror. Like, uh, oh, what's the, what's the director's name? Not Steve Gutenberg, the other guy. Cronenberg. There we go. Different kind of bird. Oh yeah. Very David Cronenbergian. I'm turning into a monster kind of thing, with some yeah. Night of the Living Dead in there. This is hot fuzz. Weirdly, like this is hot fuzz. This is Night in the Woods. This is a style of horror that is not done very often. This is to put it to film. This is the Wicker Man. Yeah. That's that's exactly where my brain went. Was the Wicker Man? It's the Wicker Man with monsters. I'm it's flabbergasted <laughs> that this style of horror is not super common. Now, I don't know if the developers or just Andrew Spencer, since you know it's his studio, it did the sense of humor on purpose or not? They oddly they did. I know um, because it was the game itself is dark, gory disturbing you know and it's you're talking still early 90s and you're talking about you know like insinuated rapes and beheadings and this that and the other yeah, that and, blob of balls it, has a spear stuck through it yeah eternally dying man crawling on the ground that every time you meet him he's alive and then dies guy. you know you're talking about all of that stuff and the the it's basic comic relief just for the purpose of comic relief and what is otherwise gritty and grizzly. Because <laughs> it's, it's proper, proper grit, grizzly. <laughs> okay, yeah, because this game has a super funky sense of humor. Yeah. Where, like, your character will, or or even the werewolf will just look at the screen and go, eh, uh-huh. you see that? Uh-huh. Eh? It's, it's absolutely, it has to be done on purpose, particularly. I think... I, if they didn't break the fourth wall, you would think, oh, maybe it's just it's the tone they're going for. Is it they're trying to lull you into a false sense of security, and then bam, crucified guy, you know, like, and then oh, a wee bit of fun. But they totally not like, they play on it so much that I can only think it's you know like really dark, humory, you know. Um, it's very British. Yeah. Oh yeah. Very yeah, British yeah. sense of humor. Mm-hmm. It's great. Ah, uh, which I, I, I like. Yeah, yeah, I, I like that. Sense. Okay, all right. So, was little kid Craig scared? Yeah, yeah, quite, quite a bit scared. Little kid Craig did not like being chased by um, the werewolfy guy. Uh, that genuinely got a jump when he first jumps off the building, and that hap- it happens immediately. You load the screen, and if you walk forward, it, it's fixed camera angles, yep. Resident Evil. If you walk forward just a wee bit too far, like maybe three or four steps, you're jumped, and from that point onwards, any time the screen changes and you see a roof line or something, you're thinking, am I going to get jumped? Am I going to get jumped? Am I-? That guy stalks you like a stalky horror show, you know, Mr. X-style stalker um, with, you know... That was another, like, super surprise. Yeah. Like, this game does pursuit gameplay mm-hmm. pretty well. I mean, there are some times where if you run like three screens over, it takes an enormous amount of time for the werewolf to get yeah, to you. Yeah, um, you can do things like if you jump in a wardrobe in one of the rooms, it resets the kind of fear thing. As soon as you jump in and jump out, he's no longer chasing you, which is a good kind of... That explains something. Okay. Because, um, uh, spoiler, uh, after I got done playing this for about an hour and going, okay, 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 I can't spend all day on this sucker. 
I watched a playthrough mm-hmm. of it, which the game is only an hour long, if you know what you're doing. Oh, God. <laughs> but at random times, he would just walk into the wardrobe and walk back mm-hmm. out. I'm like, okay, that's weird. Yeah, it's... It, but okay, so it resets the pursuit. Yeah, it resets the pursuit. There's a couple other things, like you can um, sleep or pray or do do things to reset your health as well. So there's wee key areas that you keep on going to to do those things. There's another thing... That I, I, I Googled as hard as I could, and granted, it wasn't like super in depth. I can't see a mention of anybody on the Resident Evil team making reference to this, but it does the Resident Evil thing of okay, when you're mildly hurt, you're holding your side uh-huh. when you walk. If you're super hurt, yeah. you're limping. And that's that's I, that's super cool for this time and this game. That's like, yeah, this is two years before Resi, uh-huh. and that that's bonkers to me. Like, I never knew... I always... Uh, oh, sorry. And this is not to detract from how groundbreaking Resident Evil was, but this does explain that those ideas did maybe not come out of the blue. Like, I always thought they yeah, did. Of like, yeah. oh, just Shinji Mikami is just like, yeah, hey, I have an idea. I don't know. This does not seem to be a huge hit, so I maybe it's just two parallel lines of thinking. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know. By the time this was being published, you know, Resi would have been being developed, I assume, and there would have already been a clear idea of, you know, like, a lot of that stuff. I, I've got no idea, but... Yeah, if not in development, I would imagine pre-production. So, yeah, like, I was very surprised... How much this bit off of Resident Evil, or Resident Evil bit off of this? Because the the way the narrative goes is you had Friday the 13th on the NES, and that was a horror game, and there was pursuit in it to some extent. And then you had Sweet Home from Capcom, which did the mansion and the, the zombies and a bunch of other things that then moved on to Alone in the Dark. And then Alone in the Dark came out, and then you had Resident Evil. And that's your horror timeline. Nobody mentions Ecstatica. Which I find super I weird. just don't get it. Like, it's just what I've been saying to you. I don't, I don't get it because it, it's so much more grounded horror as well. It is very Wicker Man. There's elements of religion. It's, be, you know, very obvious religion with a hung priest and, you know, like, the everything... Screams the guy at the top that's all like, Don't don't come near me, demon. Yeah, don't, yeah. Aye, aye. he's like, Don't come near me, demon. You can sneak up on him anyway. Anyway, it's really, it's really apart from the fact it's got minotaurs and stuff like that. It feels like you're in some wee town in Germany or something like that. And you, you, you know, you just oh, it is like, like, um, that was the one thing I noticed that I found super interesting because it's also something that's not really explored, like English. And I, I attribute it to English. I could be wrong. It might be Bavaria. I, I don't know. But it's very English horror. This is small town. This is mm-hmm. Lady of the Lake. This yeah, is yeah. werewolf. This is like occult stuff. But people are in the occult in the town. But people don't know. Like it is very English horror. You don't see that very much anymore. I mean Night of the Woods, like I said, sort of did that. I hope. I didn't spoil that for somebody, but, um, yeah, um, okay, okay, all right, enough spooging for the moment. Let's talk about something that makes me want to take Mr. Andrew Spencer and throw him down a garbage disposal. Oh, no. And that would be the music. Oh, see, as soon as I heard that music, I'm like, oh, no, no, nightmares are coming back. (laughs) 
Oh my gosh, that, it is just one long droning tone. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And I had to find the music for this episode. And I found the music for this episode before I played the game. I'm like, what is this? This is not music. What is this? Um, so I, I arguably my expectations were I was expecting like cosmic space head level bad because of that music. Um, that would be the one thing I would certainly remaster first thing. Okay, it's yep. like, all right, put some music. Um, I did find it funny that the uh, the, the coconuts from Monty Python was pretty much the sound effects for the, the horse. <laughs> yeah. it, it, was, it was adorable. Okay. Um, voice acting. Mm-hmm. Voice acting. Great. Actual voice acting. Yeah. It's not terrible. It's, it's not terrible. It comes in. It keep, keep bearing in mind, you know, like it's it, it's an older game and came on floppy disks. To have voice acting was exciting, and it comes at key points. But not only does it have voice acting, things like when you find the diary and the the, the that little fading. Yeah, honestly, I just it's uh, granted. Okay. Um, we're not saying this is like you know observation no, levels no. of voice acting. This is very much local theater group, mm-hmm. but not bad. Yeah, like there was nothing that made me laugh, except maybe that little demon guy, the, the little little imps. Oh yeah, the um, the, the helium voice they did maybe a little bit. But yeah, they do some very interesting stuff. When you pick up a diary, it starts in your character's voice, but then crossfades into the person who wrote it, which is something you don't even see very often today. I'm super impressed by that. The sound effects, the voice acting, the look of it, I think, needs to be redone. I don't think that aids super well, no. right? Of, of, of the whole thing, uh, that's the thing where you look at it now. and I mean, I looked at it back then as this alien, like... These people did Wipeout. That's all triangles. That's so many triangles and <laughs> triangles that make bigger triangles. Um, Wait, okay, so when I googled Andrew Spencer, this and Ecstatica 2 were the only Oh, sorry, the yeah, no, I'm, th- I'm from a publisher point of view, I was going, for, I was bouncing oh, about the publisher. Oh, okay, gotcha. Uh, Andrew Spencer has done, like, either nothing or garbage. <laughs> Surprisingly nothing. It was this and Ecstatica 2 and that was it. Wow, um... At least if Moby Games is is any indication. I even checked his Wikipedia. Nothing. Yeah. Well, that, that my point is, like, I came from a one of my favourite things of this era was G-Police, which you'll probably... Oh, wow. G-Police was great. It was the <laughs> thing that I used to test to make sure my graphics card and my sound card was working, my Sound Blaster 64 was working right and stuff. And... This sticks out visually then, or it stuck out visually then, but it should as shit sticks out visually now as well, because it's a bunch of sausages running about the place. It is a bunch of sausages with, on my character, Craig, a very well-defined ass. Yeah, yeah. Like, they made sure that that circle had some good shading on Honestly. it. Honestly. Because you saw it. Um. Okay, so, let's talk about something that has aged like a fine milk. Um, the numpad control. Now, I don't think it's bad for controlling a tank-style character. That's not a bad way to go, actually. I think the problem is they also put attack and inventory, well, inventory in quotes, stuff there, interact. Like, if they had put all that on the other side of the keyboard, I think this would have worked pretty good. I... 
downloaded this game to a, a, a local version rather than playing it online in the end and remapped all the keys because I didn't have a keyboard to plug in to get a, like if you try and play oh, it okay. online without a keypad or on a laptop yeah you, you end up plugging in a keyboard yeah. into your Chromebook <laughs> which is what you did I assume yep I did um I ended up, I ended up playing it like I said for like an hour or so, and then I would just wanted to jump down the HG101 Moby Games hole of like why has nobody mentioned this now I'm guessing a it's because it's European and well it didn't really spread much and b because like there's the thing like who do you give credit to and this is I guess in the historical sense like do you give credit to and I I I realize how biased I am towards Capcom we talked about that in little Nemo but do you give credit to the people that made it work or the people that developed the idea. And I don't know if even these guys developed some of these ideas. There might be earlier games that do this stuff that I don't know about. I but I've, That's a tricky one. And I've thought, I've thought the exact same thing. Because I've thought, like, from my point of view, having loved this game and having not loved Resident Evil, like, I'm not a Capcom, you know, like... That baffles me now. Like, why do you not like Resident Evil 1, 2, and 3? It's the, it's the theme. Like, the Wicker Man totally gets me. Zombies in a police station just doesn't. <laughs> like, That's fair enough. Yeah, okay. Good um, point. Whereas this is, this is mental. You see the preacher, you know, at the top of the castle going, rawr, 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 and you're like, holy, holy crap. This is this is spooky. This is, this is spooky. It's right up my alley. Uh, I don't agree with you on the spooky. I do agree with you on the this is interesting. Uh-huh. Like, not done very much. Um, okay, that, yeah, like, I'm not sure. This definitely changes how I view Resident Evil. But instead of giving them the credit for originating, I'm now giving them credit for, oh, you guys refined this. You made it work. Yeah. I think the biggest mistake this makes in ter- like Monday morning quarterbacking it is why did you go melee? Yeah. If you had gone guns like Resi did, I think it would have worked a lot better. Wouldn't have been as tense, maybe. Yeah, there, there weren't guns in like 600 AD or whenever the hell this is. <laughs> yeah, but you could have went crossbow. And then you'd have the tension from reloading the crossbow at the right time, things like that. You, you could have done it. And besides, <laughs> Craig, there also weren't like big bears eating honey in front of a staircase in 600 AD. Or ladies in the lake in six hundred feet. I mean, that's. I mean, you've got a point there. It's not a hundred percent great. Unless there were, <laughs> and I, we get taught the wrong history yeah, there, there over here. Be, there could be somewhere in northern Germany that is just that, <laughs> it, and the other bridges still down, and you just you can't get there. Um, I will be booking a flight to Germany momentarily. Uh, yeah, okay, so I'm sorry this has been super scattershot because of of my excitement. I'm gonna try to. Bring it in a little bit. Okay. So first off, how far did you get in this um I got playthrough? I got to you know um through finding the diary, uh, shrinking your getting the potion done, shrinking yourself, stealing the sword off the night guy who's an old battered idiot, um and then getting down to the, the sleeping lady. I kept on going round in circles and I could not 
figure out and I'd, it was at the point where I was just like I've been playing this for two hours now and I just can't figure out where the hell I'm going <laughs> I believe the next step is to talk to the old king get the bone <laughs> then do the, the magic spell thing but I didn't know they were randomized so I'm not sure now like is the order of what you have to do oh. always the same and just the locations are randomized? No, 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 it's not It's not randomized. It's more you can do things in any order apart from key. Oh, so it's open-ended. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you can, you can go and find the stuff for the potion, but you need to do something to get into the room to get that leaf, you know, for one bit of the potion. Okay. But you could have went the other way and you could have went into the church and went up the stairs and spoke to that guy and went back to... There's there's an open-endedness to it, but then there's key points that you have to do to progress, which is kind of... Most of the place is open from the start. It's only the... You have to shrink, which you can't get into. You can't get into the dungeon until you get the girl or bear, which is great. Like, that, that, that is just like, oh my God, that's spooky enough for me when you walk in and you see her skipping across in the distance. It's like, holy crap. And she, then she she thwacks a, a <laughs> yeah. werewolf upside the head with her slingshot. Oh. Sure, it's great. Um, I the one the one scene that that struck me as oh this is really good is when you're going downstairs to meet the sleeping lady and you got that overhead shot. Mm-hmm. It's like oh that's really good and spooky. Yeah. The end boss, however, looks like an overgrown beaver that turns into a pool toy. <laughs> I was smiling from ear to ear. It was great. I mean, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? No, yeah, I'm not knocking it at all. I mean, like, I was genuinely smiling while I was watching this. It's so bizarre because it... At some points you just think this is this is Monty Python, and at other points you're like, oh my god, this is the Wicker Man. And it seems to smoosh those two tones together really well. It, it does quite well. Like, you know, you're just like, um, you're like, oh, I need to restore some health. I'm going to sleep in this barn. And your character just looks at you, waves goodnight, and then falls asleep. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, okay, I guess we were scared. I guess now we're not. Yeah, uh, yeah I, I think it works in a, hmm, it works almost in an Alice in Wonderland kind of way. Um, I, I've never seen a game like this. Well, I've never seen a game like this except Balls. But I've also never seen another game that does the, this story kind of thing. Because, I mean, it, like you said, it, it's whiplash inducing. It's like within the same scene sometimes. We've gone from spooky to cheeky. So I guess it would be speaky. Yeah. Um. um oh, I had a question. Craig, this is your wild guns. Is it? Oh, wow. That's, that's something. Like this, this really made my day, man. I, I was so excited to see this. Oh, that that makes. But I'm that sorry, makes me, your question that makes me super excited because I was very nervous about when we ended up putting it in because I had spoken about it. You know that way you speak about something for so long. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, when you're like Dave, Mist is really good. Dave, you should <laughs> you should try playing Mist again. Oh, Dave, let's play Mist, and then you play Mist. Um, <laughs> yeah, missed the mark on that. Uh, a, uh, my question da, 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 da. saving you can save at any point you can keep saving you can quick save you can save and then step and save and step do, does that 
takeaway or add to it because I know we had the alien isolation, the saving is stressful thing. My personal preference has always been quick, all the way dishonored. Quick saves, quick. Every Far Cry should have quick saves. Everyone should have quick saves everywhere all the time. Manual save Ooh. slots. Um. Okay. Now, now let's let's factor in that. Let's talk about this game as if it wasn't old because old unfriendly adds a layer to mm-hmm. it, right? I think quick save is the one thing that undoes a developer's work because the developer can put all the work into tension and creating an atmosphere and creating fear and making you hesitant to move and that's all undone by a quick save button. Yeah. On on the other end of the spectrum, if you're tense and you're scared and you're enjoying the atmosphere and you die six times at the same place, that's all gone now anyway. Yeah. So there, I I don't know exactly where I would, which hill I would die on, but for me, I don't like quick saves because of that. Like, I mean, you play Alien Installation and you're quick saving all the time. You're not scared of the alien anymore. It's now just an inconvenience. But you're also playing Alien Isolation, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. Um, in this, I didn't know there was a quick save. Granted, I didn't play it for two hours, but this was a, all right, okay, I see what you did there. Back into the village <laughs> um, kind of thing for me. Because I checked the, the long play beforehand. I'm like, oh, it's an hour. Yeah. Oh, it's got to be, okay, it's, it's pretty small. Uh, turns out when you don't know what you're doing, an hour-long game can turn into like a 12-hour yeah. long game. Oh, it could have been. Do you know what it could have been? It could have been the first, you know, like proper roguelike with no saves, and you just have to. That, that would have been pretty interesting. <laughs> like you, you, the first roguelike horror uh-huh. game. You can't save. You've got to go in and just figure out what to do. And if you die, you you said you. Oh, I've woken up again at the start of the village. Ah, uh, all right, Craig. Well, let's. <laughs> This didn't end up being super long, but this is arguably the most exciting episode we've mm-hmm. done. I would like to talk longer about this, but I'm afraid I'd start repeating myself. Yeah, yeah. I've, I'm like, I mean, in, in in the end, it is an hour long game. Yeah, and we've spoken about it for thirty minutes. <laughs> yes, we have. Okay, so a couple of things I want to highlight. Number one, I kind of like the upgrade system in it. And that's being generous with the words upgrade system. Um, you throw your thing in the lake, you become a knight, and then you get armor, and then you go get your stick again. Um, the melee combat has a cool idea behind it, the whole um, dodge and repost uh-huh. thing going on. But it doesn't work with some... Like, like the werewolf will just wail on you. Like, sometimes almost interrupting his animations to start another yeah, one. There's, there's sometimes you dodge and repost and you're like, oh, I finally got the timing down. And then you do the same thing and it just doesn't work again. It's, there's something <laughs> yep. something funky in there. Just run. Just run for the cupboard. I like the little gnome guys. They're super adorable. I would love a plushie of one of those. When you get when you and get kidnapped by them and they drag you down the wheel. When you get kidnapped, it's so great. Good. It's great. It's so good. Um, some of the animations they did of like when you trip and fall into a hole and your character grabs the other side and you do that like bridge <laughs> thing where you start to sag in the uh-huh. middle. That's brilliant for 1994. But comes down to those two questions, Greg. Nice. First of all, what's your kernel nugget? 
Oh, God. Um, I don't actually know for this one, to be perfectly honest. Sometimes I just need to keep on pestering you until you play games. <laughs> like, I don't I don't have much because, like, I genuinely have tried to remain slightly less or slightly more structured than these shows. And I could just keep on talking about it. We could just went start to finish on the game and what did you what did you think of this bit and what did you think when that happened and wow when the priest is hung and you walk into the room and he's just boom there what is, you know this is the first game we've played so far that I think supports a larger episode if we had decided to do it that yeah. way. Yeah. And so um anyway so I, my kernel is this Craig since you don't really have one. Uh, your kernel will be sometimes you just want to see a naked man made of circles. <laughs> There's okay. your... And a naked lady, uh-huh. to and be fair. And a naked lady. Uh, my kernel is uh, a personal kernel here. Um, I've been reading about video games for like my entire life. And to think, to know that there's stuff out there that I still haven't come across... And I just lucked upon this because I'm friends with you is incredibly heartening. There is so much to learn in this field. This is the best kind of motivational shot, even more than like Crayon Shin-Chan, right? Because you're like, I've never seen a puzzle game like this. But this, this is something that I truly believe should be inserted into the mainstream history of survival horror. And it's not. And it's not like it's completely unknown, because obviously HG 101 did something on it. But, like, from here on out, this is going to be part of my narrative of how survival horror games went. And this late in my life and reading about the history of games, that's fantastic. Like, this is the best present anybody could give me, is the, shut up, you know it all, you don't know it all. Um, I, I love that. That is wonderful. So, uh... Let's lead that into, would you recommend this to somebody in 2022? <laughs> yes. Yeah, why? Yeah, because it's easily accessible. Just note that you're going to have to play about with button mapping or have a full-size keyboard. I think it's totally and utterly worth having a play to get the feel of it and, at worst, watching a if there's a, did you, a long play or a let's play or whatever it is. You know, the one where people don't talk over it. Um, well, you wouldn't want to miss out on the music. Definitely not. I absolutely because it's it is just that. Like I've been saying, I've been trying to get you to play it from twenty seventeen. You know, <laughs> so at, at five years later, I definitely would recommend it. Still this year. Yeah, you brought this up on some of our first episodes, mm-hmm. and I, even then, I was like, "What is that?" Yeah. Um. So yes, I would provisionally recommend this if you're interested in video game history. If you're interested in just the history of survival horror, definitely give this a shot. And like Craig said, if it's just too clunky that you can't get into it, which I would completely understand, like no judgment there. Watch watch a video of it. You will be surprised at how much is in this game that remained in survival horror for years to come, except for naked people made of beach balls. That kind of died here. Um, yes, I 100% think this is an important game. I love you, Craig, for introducing this to me. I'm sorry I was a terrible friend <laughs> since 2017, but I like to think I rectified it now. 
Alright, so, Craig, mm-hmm. until next time. Crap, why did I never think of anything in advance? Uh, until next time, uh, keep those balls rolling. Okay, um, I'll take that. Until next time, conduct yourself in the way the Knights of Turek would be proud of you.